When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to a post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, the Browns 24-20 losers to the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, we're going to do a little bit different today. We normally do like three things and then one big thought. Uh, we're actually going to be a little bit quicker today. Uh, Mary, we've got flights to catch, so things, things we got to do. So um, we're going to keep it a little bit quicker today. So I just want to hit on a few things. And the first thing is like what everyone's talking about. And that is the decision that Kevin Stefanski made to pass the ball on third down just before the two minute warning. Uh, What was it? Third and three. Mm -hmm. I think at the the 41 yard line, an opportunity for the Browns to not put the game away, but essentially put Seattle in a place where they'd have to use their final two timeouts. He decides to throw the ball. So let's talk about that real quick. I want to hear both of your thoughts on this and and then I'll share mine. Mary Kay, what did you think of Kevin's decision there? Uh, to throw in that situation. Well, curious decision, I think, in large part because P.J. Walker, uh, you know, is not the most accurate quarterback in the entire world. There are certain quarterbacks that you might be able to do that with, uh, but he had already thrown one interception in the game, and, uh, you know, and now he has five on the season. So he's not somebody that is super, super careful with the ball and accurate, and we've seen him almost throw several other interceptions. So I think it was a little bit of risky business there, and seeing as though that they were already averaging 4.1 yards per carry on that drive, and on the six carries on that drive, and 5.1 yards in that fourth quarter, uh, you know, that says to me that, you know, maybe you run it there, and if you don't get it, and you know that they were probably going to be, like, completely geared up for that. But if you don't get it, you know, then you do have a chance, uh, you know, to, you know, either get it or punt the ball away and have your defense shut them down again. So because of PJ's sort of, you know, a little bit of sometimes not, I don't want to say carelessness because I'm really impressed with what he's been able to do for this team over the last three weeks. Um, But, you know, the fact that he throws picks, I think that made it a little bit too risky. Ashley, what did you think of the decision? I will say my thinking was pretty identical. Like it had to do with mostly that we know PJ Walker has been prone to these interceptions like Mary Kay played out. And then I think just the distance of it, that they only needed three yards. And we know the two minute warning was coming up anyway. Um, I think that I would have rather seen like Jerome Ford at that point on that drive had a six yard run, a three yard run, a four yard run before the interception gets thrown. And we know Kareem Hunt, Mary Kay wrote that story about Kareem already. Um, He was a little dismayed to not 
be out there. And and especially after last week, I was kind of confused by that as well. You know, Kareem didn't say much. I think like you wrote Mary Kay, you could obviously tell he was dismayed. Um, and Pierre Strong had like maybe his best game as a Brown two going. So I thought the rushing attack just looked good for most of the game. And I think I would have rather seen them lean into that strength than have the guy who, yes, has been impressive given the circumstances, but is still just by nature of his game and him being a bit of a gunslinger is going to turn the ball over occasionally and you're going to have to live with that. I was not super crazy about the call there. Yeah, so I feel like this is one of those situations, and I actually texted this to our our subscribers um, not long before we started potting here. Lance Ryzen always says players over plays, right? So on paper, it wasn't necessarily the wrong decision to throw there. And in fact, I even said beforehand, I, I said to somebody, I'm like, oh, they could they could throw here because there was 204 left. So the clock's going to stop regardless, right? So that's a primary spot. To, if you have a play you like in the air, you can throw the ball. You're not giving them a free timeout because it's going to be the two-minute warning after that play anyway. But you have to kind of understand who you're putting the ball in the hands of. And I think that's my biggest issue players over plays maybe you have a play you love but you're asking pj walker to make the right read on a blitzing jamal adams you know like not make a mistake and basically it was a worst case scenario and jamal adams makes a great play the ball goes up in the air and, and julian love comes down with it so i think mary Kay, that was my biggest issue it wasn't necessarily the process behind like you know i thought it was a good opportunity to throw but it's, you've also got to look in the mirror and say, no, we've got P.J. Walker as our quarterback. Let's let's run the ball, see what happens, and punt if we have to, and let our defense have a chance. Yeah, I, I think so, especially because, I mean, the defense was relentless, again, in the second and the third quarters. I mean, they, they really completely shut them down. Well, they shut them out uh, in the second and third quarters, and they made Geno look very pedestrian in those two quarters. So I do think that the defense was, was ready to – uh, you know, just come out and put this game away and continue what it had been doing on all of those drive after drive after drive. Um, so I, I think the, you know, the chance was there. Um, but as Kevin Stefanski observed afterwards, yeah, when it doesn't work out, it always looks like a bad call, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously nobody's talking about this if that's, you know, some little short flare. But that was a deep pass, too. I mean, that was supposed to be, a, a deep pass. I haven't had a chance to completely study it over and over and over again, but um, I mean, it was to Amari Cooper and those guys were running like, were, didn't they run slants? Or, yeah. Like, and I think on the play by play, it even says deep, right yeah. to Amari Cooper. So it was a longer, I mean, it was a longer throw and maybe it wasn't where he was supposed to go with the ball. I, I don't know. But again, you're putting PJ Walker in a position where he has to make that decision. And he decides to basically throw it right, right where Jamal Adams is coming from. Yeah, it's just, um, it, again, it's it's curious, you know, for a player who, um, you know, he's he's not he's not Deshaun Watson. He's not the Deshaun Watson that you're, you know, that you're expecting to have, not the Deshaun Watson we have seen. Um, but, you know, he's not your elite quarterback that that might want to be handling a pass in that type of situation. We've seen him almost lose, um, you know, the 49ers game by almost throwing an interception into the end zone. So again, he, he's a gunslinger and he need, you know, he needs to be way more careful with the ball. I mean, that's obvious. He's got one touchdown against five interceptions and he could have seven interceptions because he's a gunslinger. 
And you have to give him credit because he, like he's a boomer bust proposition. Sometimes he makes that big, huge play and you kind of almost expect him to now, but you also expect him to do this. And that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, Ashley, that's sort of the, like, as well as he played today and he did give this team a chance and we'll talk a little bit more about him in general too, but like, you just got to acknowledge this guy wasn't even on your roster in training camp. Like he wasn't at the Greenbrier. He wasn't, he was on the practice squad a month ago. Like he was your third string quarterback a month ago. And now you're putting the game in his hands. And I, I think, again, I understand why you might throw there, but I just think you lost, I think Kevin lost track a little bit and got a little bit too caught up in the process as opposed to who he had kind of running that play. I think that's just ultimately what it comes down to for me. Like for as good as, you know, PJ Walker has been for PJ Walker. Like obviously he's no Deshaun Watson, yada, yada, yada. But like, I still think what you laid out there, Dan, for me, and we don't have to relitigate this whole idea of the Joshua Dobbs trade now on this podcast, since you guys have flights to catch, like, in my perfect world, Joshua Dobbs is the quarterback in this game at this point, right? And sure, that might be easy to say in hindsight. I mean, I wasn't like all gung-ho about trading him away the way they did in the first place. I was definitely surprised the day it happened. Um, but in that was if that was plan A, right, then plan B should have been, okay, you felt ready to hand it over to DTR. And that didn't work out against the Ravens. So PJ Walker is literally your third option as a backup this season. And, you know, he's a guy who was not rostered by Chicago for certain reasons. And I'm sure maybe the turnovers played a part in that and how prone he is to those. Now, all that being said, obviously, I don't want to sound like I'm hammering on PJ too hard. Like, I think he is going out there and overperforming to some extent. But these turnovers are just a part of who he is. And when the game is on the line, I don't think it's fair to him to put the game in his hand like that. Like, why not put it in the hand of a Kareem Hunt or a Jerome Ford when, especially when Kareem just had the game in his hand last week? I think that's what what I may be bumping on a little bit with that play call, too. Yeah. And, you know, Mary Kay, you pointed out like PJ, they needed the flags last week. He, he was strip sacked last week against Indianapolis um, that almost cost them. And then, um, like you said, almost through that interception against San Francisco. Let's talk about PJ outside the interception, though. I He played pretty well today. Um, I mean, I don't know what more you could – I guess we know what more you could ask of him because they tried to ask a little too much of him, it looks like. But, I mean, I, he put them in a position to win this football game today. And so I think he deserves credit for that. You know, he, he deserves credit for being scrappy, for going out there – and for throwing for 248 yards and, and doing some, some really good things. He had, he had the touchdown pass to David Njoku. Uh, you know, he, he engineered that four place 75 yard drive uh, that ended with the Njoku TD right after those guys made it 14 to nothing. So, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, uh, you know, he, he was his scrappy, gutsy, moxie filled self and he he's been good for this team to a certain extent but when you have one touchdown against five interceptions in your three games no that's not okay you're continuing to put your defense in a bad position and you can only uh, put so much stress and strain on a defense before it starts to crack and um, and, and this defense uh, needs a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over and again we got to give pj plenty of credit um, you know, you can't blame him. You have to blame the people who put him in this position to have to start these football games um, because they should have a 
you know, a more competent quarterback who is not going to be turning the ball over. I mean, he's doing great things for what he, you know, what he's been given. He only got here on August 30th. He's was the practice squad quarterback getting no reps. So none of this is his fault. He's a gamer. He's established himself as a gamer. And if PJ Walker hasn't gained some fans throughout this time, then he never will because he's been really cool and fun to watch. But it all comes down to turnovers and you can't do that. And he knows that. Yeah. And, you know, part of the problem, Ashley, is the reason he's in there over DTR is he will get the ball down the field, right? There, there was no downfield passing game in the game that DTR started. Like the passing game didn't even work. So no. PJ at least gives them a chance for the passing game to work, but that's the flip side of it. He's going to take some risks and he's, he's not good enough to take those risks. And at least like PJ had some NFL experience as a starter, like even started games last year for Carolina. Um, and I think when we saw DTR out there for as D- good as DTR looked in the preseason, that was like the main takeaway. That ball was not even moving and you knew it wasn't going to move. Like you could sense it and you could sense how overwhelmed he was in that moment. And that's another example, right? Like we talk about them maybe putting PJ in, in a bad spot. They put DTR in a bad spot for basically the entire game against the Ravens and, and having to send him out there and entrust him with that much responsibility when all you really had to go off of was preseason. And obviously he was a very veteran quarterback in college, but I think that's just been like, the trend for me so far is when these things are, have gone wrong without Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I don't think you expect to win every game without your starting quarterback, but I think a lot of what's gone wrong in these games without Deshaun have been the positions that they have put inexperienced backups in, in the case of DTR and just, you know, PJ Walker in general, given what his skill set is and his limitations. All right, two more things I want to get to. Uh, first, the defense. Good performance today. Started slow um, and then really shut the Seahawks down. I don't think it was a coincidence that the defense got better as the Browns possessed the ball more in the second quarter. They had two long drives, and suddenly the defense forces three and outs. I think that was a big deal for them uh, to, to actually have some time on the sideline to catch their breath. Uh, but also, you know, look, maybe they weren't put in the best position there, but... If you're going to call yourself the best defense in the world, and and Martin Emerson kind of admitted this, like if if they think they're the best defense in the NFL, they got to they got to get a stop there on that last drive, and it didn't happen. Um, so, I guess a mixed bag from the defense, Mary Kay. But I'll I will say that after that first quarter, I thought we were going to be writing another like they got to figure this out on defense thing, and then it turned for them. They they did a nice job after that. But overall, what did you think of this defensive performance? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. Like I said before, I think the defense uh, has too much stress and strain on it with a quarterback that keeps turning the, the ball over. I mean, this was three turnovers. DTR had three turnovers, three interceptions in the Ravens game in that 28-3 loss to the Ravens. Uh, you know, PJ ha- has had, uh, you know, multiple turnovers in each of the past several games, including three today. And so from that standpoint, um you know, it's a lot to ask of your defense. But by the same token, uh, when the game comes down to the final drive, and again, they're they're on a short freaking field. They're they're on a short field. Um, but they gave up, um, you know, a seven yard pass, then a nine yard pass, then a twenty seven yard pass. 
to tight end Noah Font, who hadn't done anything to that point. Um, then on that same drive, they were penalized for too many men on the field. Okay. And, you know, that's not something that should be happening either because, um, you know, that, that gave them five yards and moved them inside the 10. And, you know, he throws a nine year touchdown pass. I mean, you know, not, not a, a huge, huge thing to get a five yard penalty there, but not great either. So they didn't do their job in the end and they didn't do their job once again on the, on the opening drive either. They gave up a 45 yard run on the opening drive and they knew heading in that they had to stop Kenneth Walker. Like that was job number one. And he, and he ran for 45 yards on the first drive. <laughs> so I think you have to give the defense, you know, a little bit of criticism for, for some of this stuff. Um, but you know, for the most part, there are extenuating circumstances. Yeah. I mean, look, after the first quarter, I'd, I'd started to write it down, you know, against Indy, they gave up over a hundred yards in every quarter, except for the fourth quarter. It was like 93 in the fourth quarter. And then in this game, I don't have it in front of me, but they gave up well over a hundred yards in the first quarter of this game. So there was a world actually where my post game column was going to be like the Browns need to figure out their defense again because teams are taking advantage of them. I was a little worried, but then they played better. Now this defense is not as dominant as it was when they were walking out with the boom box and calling themselves the best defense in the world. They at least took steps to getting back to that. But I don't know. I kind of agree with MJ a little bit too. Like you want to be the best defense in the league. If your offense turns it over like that, you got to get a stop. I think this defense right now has a really big first quarter problem. And somewhat of a fourth quarter problem. But based on the last handful of games, the breakdowns for some reason have happened early. And like, it's it's great that they kind of rebound. But I was just quickly doing the math with the caveat that I did not use a calculator and did this very quickly. So some of this may be incorrect, but I was looking at their updated score by periods total for the season and added in what happened today. Right now in first quarters, if my math is right, they're getting out scored 52 to 23 on the year. In second quarters, they are doing the outscoring 65 to 36. In third quarters, they're doing the outscoring 33 to 13. And in fourth quarters, they're getting outscored 38 to 33. So some of that, again, I think has to do with the quarterback and maybe starting a bit slower. But like 52 points that they've given up, if I'm correct, have come in the first quarter. That's a little bonkers for the season. Um, So I think these slow starts, they have to nip it in the bud really quick. Okay, the last thing I want to touch on is kind of where this team stands right now. So they're four and three. This division is like unbelievable right now. So I'm doing this off the top of my head. So I hope I have this right. The Ravens are six and two. The Browns are four and three. The Steelers are four and three. They're ahead of the Browns because of the tiebreaker right now. Uh, They play again in a couple weeks. And the Bengals are four and three and the Brown, they're in fourth place at four and three just because of tiebreakers. But watch out. Here come the Bengals. Apparently everybody just beats the 49ers now, by the way. Um, this division's really close. And to I came into these next two games and we all picked Seattle to win this game. I, I came into this feeling like if they come out of this at five and three, which is what it should be, right? You lose to Seattle, you beat Arizona. If they come out of this five and three, that's a good spot to be. You still have technically more than half the season left. And you've got two big division games to kind of set up where your season might go. So to me, I'm a little torn. 
I'm okay with where they're at right now, but also they really gave one away today. Like they had a chance to maybe be six and two, but Mary Kay, it does feel like for as tough as today was there, they, everything is still in front of them right now. Yeah. They can overcome it and they can do that because they stole two games in each of the last two weeks. They, they really did. I mean, no one thought they were going to beat the 49ers. No one thought that. And they certainly wouldn't have if that 41 yard kick goes through. So they were, lucky to escape from that one, even though they played really well uh, throughout most of that game. Uh, they were lucky there. And um, and then they got just an, a completely improbable game-winning touchdown drive against the Colts. And, um, you know, PJ did some nice things on that drive, including the 30-yarder to Elijah Moore. But they also, uh, as Jim Mercy has told us, um, <laughs> you know, they got a little lucky on some calls in the, uh, on that drive. So, uh, you know, these things have a tendency to even out. And that's why you hear coaches say you are what your record says you are. And so right now um, they're four and three, and I think they probably will get to five and three. And so I think they're still going to be right in the thick of it, but this is shaping up to be exactly what we thought it was going to be a fight to the finish in the AFC North. Yeah. I mean, Ashley context always matters. How did you lose to get to that record? But if I had said, Hey, you're going to lose Nick Chubb week two. You're not going to have your starting quarterback for all but like one quarter of what's been a four game stretch now. Um, and like just things are going to be a little bit weird for you. And you're going to get through Seattle at four and three with the Cardinals coming to town. And that's a team that you should beat. Um, I, I still think this team is in a good place. I do too. I mean, five and three would, like you said, not be a bad spot, just given how close the division is right now. Now, granted, I think you have to take care of business against Arizona, a team that is going to have some familiarity with you, given the fact that Joshua Dobbs is on the roster, given the fact that their offensive coordinator, you know, was here the last handful of years, including as the quarterback's coach last year, Andrew Petsang. So I definitely think it could be worse. I mean, we kind of saw how last season went, obviously, when they didn't have Deshaun and they finished seven and 10. And I'm just pulling it up. They won two out of their first three. And then remember, they had that four game losing streak. So they were two and one, two, three, four, five after week seven. Like they're in a much better spot, I think, than they were last year. And even then, they kind of got things together a little bit to almost be 500 at the end of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely could be worse here, but I think so much is going to be predicated on what happens at quarterback here. And if they're going to, you know, be aggressive and make a move or make any other moves before the trade deadline. Yeah. The quarterback thing is still very much in the air. I mean, look, it's bleak. If they lose to Arizona next week, then it's like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> like, that's when you panic. This, this loss to me is frustrating, but it's not like panic. Like, I can't believe, I mean, part of me can't believe they lost this game. But overall, like, again, we all picked them to lose this game anyway. What really matters is take care of business against Arizona, and then you have two huge division games after that, one on the road, one at home. And and that's really going to kind of set you up for what you might be able to do after Thanksgiving um, when the schedule lightens up a little bit. But before we go, we do have to talk about that one thing that we always have to talk about Mary Kay what is going to happen at quarterback this week 
That's the big question mark. We know that, um, you know, that Kyler Murray, Murray is not going to be starting for the Cardinals. It's going to be Joshua Dobbs. Um, but is it going to be Deshaun against his really good friend, Joshua Dobbs? Or is it going to be P.J. Walker? And this is going to be a tough decision because the truth of the matter is you do not know what Deshaun is going to be able to give you when he steps back on that field. And what you need to avoid with this football team is turnovers. And if he is underthrowing the football again, then it's going to get picked off. So, or it's, you know, something's going to happen. I mean, you, you can't be slow on your throws and you can't be, you can't, you've got to have arm strength or you're going to be putting the team in harm's way. And nobody knows what he's got. I asked Kevin about it after the game. He's like, he'll, he'll be out there when he's ready. <laughs> and you know what? That's just the operative question. We have no idea when he's going to be ready. We don't know if it's this week. We don't know if it's try to let PJ get through this week and then, put him out there for Baltimore and Pittsburgh. You certainly don't want him to miss the Baltimore and Pittsburgh no. games. So what do you do? I, I don't know. They've got a <laughs> tough decision on their hands. And I do think it mattered this in this game, Ashley, that Kevin made that decision to start PJ and basically that decisiveness, I think helped them this week. Like PJ's the starter spent the whole week game planning, putting in that screen game, all that stuff that they did. Um, so I don't know. I just wonder if Kevin's going to go into this again, thinking the same thing. Like we're not messing around. I'm going to have my starting quarterback named on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, and we would still would, I'm losing track of days. Would we still be in like the four to six week? Would that be six weeks since the Titans injury then for him? This would be six weeks, right? Today's five weeks. Yeah. Today's five weeks. So next week would be six weeks. Like I'm, I'm not opposed to if he's, Obviously, I think if he's not ready to go by Wednesday, I would not be opposed to being like, okay, PJ's just starting and we're not chanting this again. Because I do think, like you said, Dan, um, that screen game today worked really well for them. And it kind of did like wonders when you could tailor your plan to him and let him get those reps in practice. And especially, I thought, with Amari Cooper, who had a great game today, I thought that's going to get overshadowed by the fact that they lost and what happened on the third and three call. Um, so I think all of those things are great. And I'm, I'm kind of like, again, I do not think it's worth it to risk further injuring Deshaun Watson and prolonging this, especially for a game against the Cardinals. And I hear, you know, people saying, well, do you want the first game back to be against the Ravens? But I still, there's not much I think that would make me think that that's worth it if he still is under throwing, which is the nature of this kind of injury. All right. Well, we'll save that. We got a whole week to talk about all that stuff. So there we go. Still mystery surrounding Deshaun Watson. Uh, that'll do it for this post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. On YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. And become a Football Insider subscriber. Go to Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page for info and all of that and to get involved. Uh, Browns losers again in Seattle 24 to 20. We'll be back with a very groggy edition of the podcast a mary Kay edition of the podcast on tuesday uh until then for ashley and mary Kay and dan thanks for listening everybody